Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning, those of you joining us online and everybody here in the room right now. If we've not met, I'm Nathan, and uh, again, just thank you for being here. Would you real quick thank Ginger and also our worship team for bringing us the service to this point? Well, if you've not been with us, we, were, um, we spent a good chunk of spring and summer going through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to get back to that in a couple weeks here. Uh, but we, we took a break to go through what you just saw on the screen here, life verses. And as we've talked about the last couple weeks, um, you can talk to many people. You may be one of the people that you've got a verse that has just stuck with you and resonated with you. And you've just watched God use it in your life over and over and over. And we even got to hear from a few different voices um, a few weeks ago. Uh, as they spoke about how God's word has been used in their own lives. These life verses, you'll hear from another next week. But these last couple weeks and today, um, I have just, as I've sat and, and we're at this natural place on the calendar to look ahead, right? Because school has started. Not that you wanted that reminder right now, okay? But things, things are starting up. And so these last couple weeks and today, I've wanted to just give you some verses for life. And yeah, they may be a life verse for you that you just come back to and you come back to. But as you look through God's word, you begin to realize that every single verse has life to it because God has breathed life into it. And so you may remember a a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, this verse that, that reminds us and promises us that God's mercies are new every single morning. As you look ahead, don't forget to look around. Because his mercies are there constantly, constantly. I was just sharing with our staff this week that if you get up early enough in the morning, God is, I mean, the colors in the sky and the lines and all kinds of stuff, it is incredible. And if nothing else, between the cross and that, his mercies truly are new every morning. And then last week, we asked you to consider, consider the question that Peter asked. As you look ahead at the year ahead, and there are going to be question marks, and there are going to be distractions, and there are going to be highs and lows and all that, Jesus asked the disciples a question one day. He said, are you going to leave too? Because many of his broader group of disciples were deserting him. He said, are you going to leave too? And Peter asked this question, Lord, to whom else would we go? I mean, you have the words of eternal life. And so last week we explored that as we look ahead. Is there anything out there that can give me the kind of life that I have in Jesus Christ? And as we explored through that and we brought up some areas, you begin to realize, no, there is nothing out out there like that. There's nothing like the life he gives us. And so today, today I want to look forward one more time. And this time, I want to look ahead at, this is just how you get a whole congregation mad, is to remind them of this, the work we have to do. I know, you're like so glad you came to church this morning, right? But the truth is, God put some work before us, didn't he? In other words, your workplace is not just a place where you collect a check. School is not just a place where you get grades. Your neighborhood is not just a place where you try to keep your house looking nice and you just live and exist when you're not at work or at school or wherever else. And people are not just objects and they're not just obstacles, There's actual work that God has given us to do, kingdom work. Now, there are really two ways you can go about that work, okay? 
And, and maybe the best way to uh, explain this would be, I want you to just think for a moment about your relationship with speed limit signs, okay? Uh, is Ed here, Ed Lore? Okay, if he's here, Ed, you need to close your... He's law enforcement, okay? So I'm going to have Ed close his eyes, and I'm going to ask a question. How many of you, a speed limit sign is a boundary? This is very disappointing right now. (laughs) Okay, and how many of you, you see the speed limit sign, you're like, that is a challenge is what it is right there. More of you should be raising your hands right now because a bunch of you didn't on the first one. Yeah, see, this is just this thing inside of us as humans. You know, we know speed, we know speed limit signs are really, um, they're, they're a boundary, right? Or as I remember my grandma, not long before she passed, her relationship with stop signs, I still will never forget, we pulled up to a four-way stop in this tiny, tiny town in Nebraska, okay? Republican City, Nebraska. It's like population less than 200. Anyway, I remember sitting in in shotgun next to her, and she went right through the stop sign. I said, did you see that stop sign? She's like, oh, I saw it. But if it doesn't have the white border around it, it's optional, Nathan. And I went, (laughs) you should not have your license, and I should not be in this car right now, right? We just do this thing where it's like, it's, we know it's a boundary, but it's not a boundary. It's a challenge, right? And how do you get reminded that it's a boundary? Ed Lore. That's right, Ed Lore. Yeah, we, we have law enforcement. And you get a ticket, you get pulled over, you get a reminder. There is something in us that likes to do things the hard way, isn't there? We, we just have to get this reminder over and over and over. That we do things the hard way. It's just, it's the human heart gravitates toward it. We're rebellious. We just do it. Well, as you think about the work in front of you, the work in front of you, and again, I don't just mean job work or school work or house, work around the house or anything like that. I mean the work God has set before us. How do we go about it? That's what I want to talk about this morning, because there are really two ways we can go about it. Let me show you, and you just saw it on the screen, let me show you how God intended us to look at the work in front of us. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, That word created, if you grab sermon notes, you'll see that verse on the top of your sermon notes. I want you to circle the word created because the word created is a clue to go back to the account of creation. Because when we go all the way back there to just after creation, we're in Genesis chapter 3 and a lot's going on in Genesis chapter 3. You know what happened? That work that God set before us and that he prepared in advance for us, you know what? things went sideways. And this is the first place that human beings decided, you know what, I'm gonna, maybe I'm gonna do it the hard way. We didn't say it that way. We we actually said it this way. I I think I'm just gonna do it my way. Now, if you're unfamiliar with it, um, in the the short version, is that in Genesis chapter 3, you've got Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and uh, they're, they're allowed to eat from any tree in the garden except for one. God says, don't eat from that tree, all right? And the enemy shows up. Serpent shows up, he says, well, is that what God really said? Did you really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? He's already twisting things around. And Eve said, no. 
we can eat from the trees of the garden except that one. And you can imagine the enemy, this serpent, tempts her to eat fruit from the one tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. And then she handed some to her husband, and her husband ate. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Now, God shows up, and he's looking at Adam, the man, and he says, look, uh, what happened? In essence, what happened here? And this is the first documented case, ladies. This is the first documented case that men began using excuses, okay? Here's what he said. The woman! It was the woman. She did it. And he gave all men for all time going forward somebody to point at. Yeah, it was the woman. But then Adam decides to get bold. He says, the woman you put here with me, God. In other words, not just her fault, it's your fault. And I can't believe he he even existed beyond that moment. So God went to Eve and he said, what happened? And, And she gave all women an excuse from that point forward. She said, the serpent the serpent. You know, it's, it's this human thing. We just look outside us, right? When we want credit, we look in the mirror. When we want to blame, we look out the window. This is just what every single one of us does. And the serpent, I imagine, just sitting there like, it was me. I did it. I, you know, because he, he just was bold in his opposition to what God was up to. And so you get here, and God has to deal with this, and he responds to it. And we see it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, now we're getting into the work and the labor piece. <clears throat> Through painful toil, you will, eat food. you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, what else is going on in Genesis chapter 3? There's God saying this, but there's also something going on inside Adam and Eve. They've disobeyed God, and something began to change in their thinking processes because something had happened at the heart level. We read this in Genesis 3-7. The eyes of both of them were opened after they had eaten the fruit, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And, and we also read that they decided to try to hide from God. Now, just think about this for a minute. Have you heard the phrase, how you do anything is how you do everything? Have you heard that phrase? You, you may have heard some version of it, right? There will be, there will be people say, I'm sorry, excuse me. I've heard people say, if you want like some insight on how you operate in your life, just look at your garage or look at your shed, or look at how you maintain anything, and you're probably going to have some clues on how you do a lot of things, because it just, that's just what comes out of us. And so Adam and Eve, something has changed inside them, and they begin to think that some things that are a really, really good idea, they begin to think that they are good ideas. They go, oh, they look around. Maybe we should hide from God, Maybe we're clever enough that he won't discover us in the garden he created. Yeah, you you read this and you think, what on earth? What, What are you thinking? And yet this is us. And then they decide, huh, we should clothe ourselves because we've suddenly realized we're naked. We should cover ourselves in leaves because that's really gonna hold up, right? Yeah, see, so you come forward 
And Paul is giving a description of this very thing. When you jump back to Ephesians, you see that human thinking of what what human beings think would be a good idea for how we go about this life. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. You are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. There it is. There's our Adam and Eve instance and what's going on inside them. There is a different spirit at work in Adam and Eve as soon as they disobeyed. And they begin to think that some ideas would be the best possible idea. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Can I tell you the hard way through this next year? And if you've got your notes, you you can write it here. This is number one on there. The hard way through the next year, the hard way going about God's work is covered in leaves. Deciding from a place that I'm just going to operate as though I'm just the, the best possible thing I can do is just cover myself in leaves like Adam and Eve did. When I look at the work before me, you know what covered in leaves is? I want you to write down a few different words. Number one, my own idea. My own idea. That's a life covered in leaves. Or my own wisdom. But there's something else about leaves. I want you to just like imagine covering yourselves in leaves right now. And it was a little awkward for a second, okay? But what else is it about leaves? Would you feel very confident clothing yourselves in leaves? None of us would. Because why? Leaves are so feeble. Leaves, when they dry out, when they're not connected to the tree anymore... They get so brittle. They're so temporary. But the other thing about leaves that Adam and Eve would not discover until a little bit, a handful of verses later, is that they didn't cost anything. They didn't cost anything. They could just take it off the tree and cover it until it didn't last anymore, and then they would take the next thing and take the next thing and take the next thing. Now, does that sound familiar at all? I mean, when you think about your purposes in life, when you think about all the different things you've tried in life, when you think about all your different pursuits, isn't it true that there's just something inside of us that seems never satisfied? We're constantly looking for the next leaf to just cover ourselves with until that dries out and that passes on and then we move to the next, right? That's a life covered in leaves. Let me show you a different option. And this is one that you also see in Genesis chapter 3 and that Paul also describes in Ephesians chapter 2. Genesis 3, 21. God's looking at all this. It says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Paul describes what God did here and what God does here, like this in Ephesians chapter 2. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace." expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know what Paul's describing here? Exactly what God did in Genesis chapter 3, and God continues to do over and over and over and over throughout the pages of Scripture and throughout our lives. God goes, look, the, the leaves thing, uh, that's, that's great, but it's just so brittle. It's so feeble. It's so fleeting. And it didn't cost anything. And so there's no substance to it. And so what's he do? It's under the banner of sacrifice. Did you notice what he put on him? Animal skins. In other words, something had to give its life for them to be able to have something of substance covering them is they went through this life. See, that's a different way to go through this life. Even as we look at the year ahead, as we think about all the different places that we're in contact with people, especially for us as followers of Christ, instead of a life covered in leaves, and this is that second one on your notes, it's a life that's clothed with life. And for Adam and Eve, it was animal skins. But for you and I, we get this reminder from Paul, it's under the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we go about the work that God has set before us. That's a different way to go through life. This is a different kind of work, isn't it? I want you to write down just in that blank space there a few different words. I mean, when you think about those animal skins that they clothed themselves with, there's a few different words that came to mind. One, freeing. You know, I just want you to imagine for a minute, and again, it could get awkward for a second. Can you imagine like sprinting out there on the field just with leaves on you? Yeah, it's, it's, that's, don't. Okay, let's move on to the next one, right? Whereas if you had something, a substance that God put on you, animal skins, you know, however those fastened together, it's a lot more freedom, isn't it? Freedom is one of those characteristics. Number two, enduring. I mean, animal skins would have lasted a lot longer than leaves, would they not? Finally, sacrifice. It came at a cost, as we just said. Maybe the best way I can describe it, and I, I, don't, I can't remember if I've shared this with you before. When our son Lincoln first got into sports, okay, we got him these shoes, and they were Pumas. Everybody familiar with the brand Puma? Okay, what's the logo? A puma. Okay, there we go. Just <laughs> making sure you're paying attention, all right? So he's got these shoes on. He looks great. He looks ready to go. There's a puma on each shoe. And I was like, you're ready. Okay, so he's got a little free time. I said, okay, you ready to go? We're heading to your game. He's like, yep. I got my jersey. I've got my it was soccer at the time. I've got my shorts. I've got my shin guards. And then he said this thing that I went, don't ever say that again. You know what he said? He said, and I'm wearing my poodles. It's like you're, I'm sorry, what? This is no offense. How many of you have poodles? No offense to poodle owners, okay? We've got one that's half poodle. And he is a sissy. He is a total sissy. Rabbits in the yard. I've said to him, that, that's a meal if you can catch it. And he's like, toy, toy, friend. And I went, what is wrong with you, okay? And really what this was is I'm looking at Lincoln as his dad, and I'm thinking, I want you to see yourself clearly, accurately. How much more does our Heavenly Father want us to look at our lives and look at ourselves and look at the work that he prepared in advance for us? 
and, and, and to know that he prepared us in advance. Not to cover ourselves in leaves, but he says, I want to clothe you in life. And I want you to get that. Now, why would he do that? And this is where we come to our verse this morning. You want to know why he did that? Let's read it again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Did you, did you catch that? He prepared it. See, a lot of times we like to think that we prepare it, Right? And so we go about manufacturing and making our best guess. And you know what? The best we can do is leaves. It's the best we can do. But as I thought through all that God does to prepare the work, it was pretty eye-opening. Because you could just stay in this and it could be real ambiguous. But when you begin to think about all the different things and the occurrences in life, you realize God is up to something. He thought so much of those works that he prepared in advance that he made us to carry him out, which means he thinks a whole lot of us too. First off, you got a list of uh, six there on the sermon notes. First off, he ordained the work. You know what that speaks to? The purposes of God. He actually, in his divine mind, went, this is my purpose in creating all that I'm creating. These are the works that are going to be gone about. Number two, he arranges the circumstances. I mean, you've had this, right? This is the sovereignty of God, where you look around and you go, oh my goodness, the fact that this came together and this came together and this came together and none of these, none of these people talk to each other, that's God. That's the sovereignty of God, isn't it? Number three, he sets the timing of it. This is the providence of God. The God who stands outside of time, who's worked overtime across all the timeline of all history. He arranges the circumstances. He sets the times. Acts reminds us that he even sets the times and the places in which we will live. He is a sovereign and providential God. Number four, he softens the recipients of his purposes. He softens the hearts of the recipients. As you look through scripture, you want to know one of the mighty, mighty things that God does is the very thing you and I could never do. It's the work of the heart. Over and over and over and over again, you know what he's doing? He's working on the hearts of people. In other words, when you step in to something that he has in front of you, there's, there's a variable that, that for those of us that we like to have everything set and everything perfect, you, we all have to let go of. I don't know the condition of the heart of the person in front of me. And you don't know it either. None of us can possibly know. Guess what? It means faith. And when we talk about faith, but I have to trust that God, even I, I think about this every single week when I'm preaching a sermon, I think, oh, how's that going to land? How's that going to come across? And you know what he's convincing me of more and more? That's not your job, Nathan. It's not your job. It's not any of our jobs. Finally, he sustains the works. Remember, Jesus talked about, I want you to bear fruit. You will bear fruit that lasts. That's the other thing God does. 
He says, look, I'm going to take that thing that you think was maybe just for a week or a day, and I'm just going to use it, and I'm going to leverage it, and I'm going to scale it, and I'm going to use it to my purposes. That means he's going to sustain it, not us. We don't have to manufacture that. And here's what I want you to write. <clears throat> Down at the bottom there, you've got a couple, you've got a couple uh, larger statements at the bottom of the sermon notes. That first one is this. In grace, in grace, he prepared his work for you. See, there is just work we could not possibly accomplish set before us. It's like trying to get to Wyoming by boat. Is there a way to do that? If there is, that's a foolish illustration, but don't tell me that, okay? Just let me, let me live there, okay? It's like trying to get to Wyoming by boat. There's just work that our own willpower will not accomplish. Now, I left you hanging at number six there because this is the piece I, wanna, I want you to see for a minute because this is how we begin to step into that work. That if you want to live a life and if you want to look at the year ahead and you want to engage the work God has for you, covered in life, then this is the other piece that God has to do. Number six, he invigorates the instrument. He invigorates the instrument. Do you want to know God's instrument for carrying out his work? If you haven't figured it out yet, it's you. And it's me. And it's us. And it's the church. It's the church that carries that out. And so, he redeemed us. He redeemed us to make us useful in a service, and then he fills us with the Holy Spirit that we'd carry it out. Now, what's all that mean? And this is where the beauty of, of the placement of the verse we're looking at this morning is. Because when you think about the book of Ephesians, there are all kinds of themes to it, but you want to know what I love about the book of Ephesians? It is a book that is saturated, and I mean saturated in prayer. Do you want to know how you step into the work that God has prepared in advance for you, for me? It's prayer. Paul, as he writes this, it's incredible. In chapter one, you run right into it. He gives you the word prayer, and then he gives the action of prayer. He talks about kneeling before the Father. And then in the ensuing chapters, I mean, just listen to this list of things that only prayer, only prayer brings about. He says this, I pray that God would give you, not that you would find, not that you would have, not that you already have, God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's not of our doing. That the mystery would be made known by revelation. In other words, there's a mystery you and I can't possibly know about what God is up to. And, and, and Paul, in the context of prayer, he says, I pray that you'd know that mystery, by his revelation, to make plain to everyone this mystery, that the wisdom of God should be made known to the powers and the principalities and the spiritual, the authorities in the spiritual realms, that he may strengthen you, that you would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with to the measure of all fullness of God. See, these are things we can't do in our own willpower. None of us can do it. Nobody wakes up and goes, oh, I'm going to accomplish the kingdom today because I'm just feeling it. You know, there's, there's no energy drink for that. 
There's no amount of willpower on your greatest day of your life that can accomplish that. And then he ends chapter six, his letter to the Ephesians, four times mentioning prayer. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So you want to know what happens in prayer? Just a minute ago, we said in grace, he prepared his work for you. And this is that next statement at the bottom of your notes. In prayer, he prepares you for his work. It was in grace he prepared his work for us. It's in prayer he prepares you for his work. And it is all over Ephesians from this incredible man of God, the Apostle Paul. Now, for some of you in here, that prayer may be a first-time prayer. Maybe you've heard this and heard this and heard this and heard this, but maybe it's a first-time prayer that says, Lord, if you'll have me. I've been trusting on my willpower for far too long. I've been living a life covered in leaves for far too long. And it's just been brittle and it's been fleeting and it's just one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. But I want to know the work you've prepared for me in advance. And maybe for you, for the first time, it's saying, okay, it's time. I've tried it this way for so many years. It's time. You take it. I'm placing all that trust in you. Maybe that's you. I'd suspect for many of us, it's coming back to that. And going, ah, yeah, I mean, there's the the work of God, but I think about like the schoolwork and the job work and the housework and and, and the people that either act as objects to help me further it or obstacles to getting it done. But being reminded that there's a much greater, deeper level of work that happens in the midst of carrying out all those tasks in all those places. You know how you find it? It's prayer. It's prayer. That's where he delights to commune and fellowship with us. Maybe the best way, I'm gonna, let me come back to Lincoln and sports here for a minute. So we just moved to uh, AAA baseball, okay? And this is terrifying for somebody that never officially played baseball. And so you know what they did? I was trying to hide in a group of parents hoping, hey, he'll get another parent who knows baseball better than me to help out. And the coach said, he's the same coach we had last year. He said, Nathan, I need you to be third base coach. And I was like, we are going to lose every single game because of me. Okay, so first game, here's what happened. The coach said, I'm going I'm to give you a signal from the dugout if you need to give the signal to steal. And I realize I might have to change, I might have to go to the coach and tell him we got to change our signals because I'm about to share. So if he does this across the brim of his hat from the dugout, then I'm supposed to look at who's on first base and second base. This is a steal sign right here, okay? And, you know, you try to, you try to be very subtle about it. I, I haven't figured that out. I mean, the kids are kind of like, they're so excited they got on base, and they're looking around, and I'm like... <laughs> so, it was going well. It was going well for three innings in our first game. He's like, okay, and we're, steal- we're basically stealing every time. Because no offense, but just like third graders, fourth graders, the arm's not quite strong enough to get them there. We could steal every base and be fine, but we're trying to be good, like, it's sportsmanship too, okay? And so um, what happened next would explain why the coach's hand, the coaches on the other team shook my hand so hard after the first game. So we get a kid on base, and I'm just excited. He gets on base, and I'm like, and he's like looking around. I'm like, 
And then I looked over at the coach at the dugout, and he's like, and so I'm trying to be subtle, but I'm like, <laughs> and I'm looking over, and these coaches are looking at me like, oh, you know your signal now kind of thing. <sighs> so I, I think I sent the message like, no steal, no steal. Kid takes off running, right, as the ball crosses the plate. He steals, he makes it to base, and uh, I got I to gotta admit, I, I wasn't that disappointed because it was my kid, okay? And so... I just was going, and, and I looked over at the coach, and he was just like, that, that, was, that was a no. And as I said, handshake line after was a little tense. They, like, squeezed really, really hard on my hand. And, and now I know why. Because you know what it was? I wasn't watching the one in charge. And how often do we do this exact thing? In prayer, you know what we do? We go get not just the signal, we get the guidance. We get the preparation for the work set before us that he prepared in advance. But how often we forget. Now, I want you to circle something in that verse there on the sermon notes if you've got them. I want you to circle the phrase, walk in them. Read this one more time. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Did you catch that? Walk in them. Not point at, not clock into, not retire from, not think I'm better because of, but that we would walk in the works that he's prepared in advance. See, it's a way of life that you can actually walk in. It doesn't wear you out. It doesn't grind you down. You do it from a different posture. You do it from a restful place. This is what Jesus was getting at when he said, come to me. If you're burdened, come to me. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But maybe my favorite reason that I want you to consider this passage is a verse for life in the year ahead. It comes out of the book of Revelation. And I have overlooked this so many times when I went, oh my goodness, Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor and look at this, for their deeds will follow them. For their deeds will follow them. Do you understand the implications of going through this life covered in leaves versus clothed in life? Do you understand the implications of looking at today and this week and this month and this year and this season of life and this entire life through the lens of going about God's work with God's covering of life? It plays out in what we just saw here in Revelation. Their deeds will follow them. You know what that means? We talk about Judgment Day, right? We've all heard about Judgment Day, which gets like really, really scary for everybody when we bring it up in church. And there's no doubt a Judgment Day in which those who know Christ and those who don't are separated. But for those who know Christ, for those who walk through this life covered under the banner of sacrifice because they've trusted in what Jesus did at the cross on our behalf, you know what Judgment Day is? It's a time where God looks at our works and he holds them up. 
and they withstand the flame. And you know what he does with that? He says, I will reward you for that. I will reward you. In the past three weeks, this congregation has lost three people. Three people who have passed on. And it's actually with celebration in my own heart that I can say they walked through this life covered in life. Kathy Barnholt, Sharon Madison, Glenn Masters, if you knew any of these people. I mean, it was just phenomenal to, to like, think about Kathy's life and, and some times that I got to talk with her and spend with her. And Glenn's, Glenn's service was here the other day, incredible to look back at. Another service to come for Sharon. But if you knew any of these people, you just sit there and you go, oh my goodness, this, this is, these are lives that actually carried out the work that God prepared on their behalf. And so as the worship team comes back up, that is my prayer. As we look ahead at the year ahead, I pray that you would see his mercies are new every morning that you'd realize that with all that goes on, there is no one else to go to because only Jesus has the words of eternal life. But I also pray that we'd be reminded that in his grace, he prepared his work for us, and it's in prayer that he prepares us for his work. May we all go to our knees and discover what that is. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, your kindness and your goodness is, is just beyond words to us. Lord, I pray that collectively as a congregation, as we go through the year ahead, whether it's at a workplace or it's at school or it's on a, on a team, if it's with neighbors, if it's with friends gathering around us, Lord, we ask, we ask that you'd open our eyes to your mercies, to your word, to your works that you have prepared in advance. And Lord, let us step into those and walk in those with the rest of the soul that you give when we engage the works you've prepared in advance. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.